welcome back to Big Red Ballers. This is our 13th episode, and we're fresh off of an exciting weekend full of basketball. Yeah, two big games, one against Princeton, one against Penn. Back-to-back games, something very unique and interesting, especially for college basketball. But ended up being two losses. Um, Princeton, the first game, 63-52, and then the game against UPenn, 67-54. So, Zahini, we want to talk about just the start against the Princeton game. Okay, so for the Princeton game, I want to talk about the good things first. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, get the good yeah, done sure. and well. But um, Anya McNicholas scored 23 points. Big game for her. Like, that's massive. Un- undeniably, like, a menace on that, <laughs> on the wood. But um, another thing that I do have to bring up is Shannon Mulroy also scored double digits and got 10. Yeah, that's definitely a good thing. Those two team leaders, seniors, of course, have big responsibility on the team. As especially with Anya as a pure scorer, but Shannon yeah. also is a head facilitator. So they had some really good games, definitely some good things for the game. But you know, of course, end up being a loss. There are definitely some things that could be better. Yeah, and we also I'd also like to point out we had a lot of people coming off the bench. Yeah, scoring like Mia Beam scored seven points. Mm-hmm. Emily Pape did pretty well. Um, the only thing I do have to comment on is a lot of the starters did not score as much as yeah. we expected, like single digit numbers. Mm-hmm. I, I think this has been kind of a recurring theme. Throughout the year with the women's team at times. There have been games where the team will be right there. But whether it be one player has a massive game, 20 points, 27 points, 30 points or something. But then the team itself wouldn't necessarily all yeah. just match that same level of effort and output in that one game. There then there are games where it's more evenly spread out and the team can win pretty handily. Yeah. But then there's games like this where one player has a great game, but then everybody else is kind of like yeah. drops back. And the interesting part about that is like you can even see that reflected in the game score as well. Like during the first half, we were neck and neck with Princeton, and then during the second half, we let the lead run away from us. And I feel like that's a repetitive theme that we see across, um, you know, both basketball teams. Yeah, I mean, any game where Arya had a great game, but then Shannon's your only other double score at ten. It's just not a. It's not efficient. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not consistent when you're going to win games, especially yeah. in the Ivy League, where everyone's good and everyone knows each other. Yeah, and you know, speaking of like, rep- repetitive issues, um, you know, the turnovers. Yeah, I feel like we touch on this every episode. Um, you know, regardless of the topic, it's nineteen versus twelve. Yeah. seven chances. Um, but again, back to the good things. We did. We do have to give you know our post players lots of credit because Princeton has two massive girls, yeah, really good players. Too. Yeah, one phenomenal players. Um, looking like six. Six zero and above, yeah. massive. And we had Summer Parker Hall and Anna Hovis in the paint with them at, um, d- during most of the game. And they actually managed to rebound really well and mm-hmm. control play, um, regardless of them being outmatched physically. And, you know, I feel like a lot of times people in basketball get wrapped up in the height. Yeah. But it's really about, you know, technique, like posting up Correct. and boxing out. Yeah, so, it's a lot of techniques, a lot of effort, yeah. Shout out Anna Hovis and Definitely. Summer Parker Hall for that. That was, honestly, I was at the media table watching that. I was like, dang. <laughs> I could not handle somebody that large, like, you know, yeah, boxing really me out. Yeah, yeah, it was insane. Stuff like guys that, like, in the NBA, Marcus Smart, really good. Yeah. You're guarding bigger people. Not because, yeah. just because you work hard, you know what to do. Yeah. And top of the Penn game after Princeton, kind of a little bit the same with offensive woes. Just yeah. a game where your offensive leaders did not have the best game they have usually, which yes. happens sometimes. And right? I feel like I feel like they wanted to break out of the mold from the Princeton game. Because, I mean, it felt like... It felt like 
mentally there was some sort of rut going on. Like, it was just an offensively difficult game. Like, our top scorers were not having a great night. Like, just shots were not falling. It was an unfortunate situation. Yeah, and I think just overall, because we're at a point in the season where now things are kind of settled in. Yeah. Um, your teams are looking to make that final push for um, seeding in the playoffs, which will lead, of course, into big games in the tournament. Mm-hmm. But just looking at Cornell now, I think we talked, we touched on already the offensive Problem. I think that's really just been a massive theme overall. Yeah, but w- defensively, we are the third best exactly. in the Ivy. We're, like, yes, I like statistically second least amongst scorers, yeah. but our defensive stats are phenomenal. And, and that's why I think it's important, though, because I think any great defensive team, you're always going to have a chance to win, which is true. Cornell is really getting like, blown by, like, 20, 30 points in these games. We're looking at 10, 13, yeah. 15 manageable, manageable, manageable games. Yeah. But it's the offensive deficit that gets you there. And you'll see, like, you, we can lock down teams. Exactly. We get the ball, we carry it into offense, and then shots don't fall. Yeah. And one thing that's, like, that I saw happening repeatedly during both games is that the shot clock would run out. Like, there were multiple times where the shot clock ran out, or you would have eight seconds left, and you see people chucking the ball up. When I feel like, um, you know, if we get our offensive pace down yeah. and, you know, really make it work, we don't have to get pressed into situations like that. Because I feel like we always see, especially our guards, put between a rock and a hard place when the tide runs out. Yeah, and that does happen. And so that can be a result of, again, uh, these teams could obviously can play good defense, but it could be ideas. Maybe we're not getting our sets quick enough. Yeah. Because now you're wasting maybe 10 seconds. Lots of organize. dribbles. Lots of yeah. dribbling. Yeah, you're taking time organizing your stuff when that can kind of mess up some of the flow, your shot clock time. And we just hope as time goes on this season, the yeah. offense can kind of match the defense already is. And the defense is where you need to be. Yeah. And the offense can get at least approachable in that rel- re- yeah. relatively similar. We don't have similar. to be the best offensively. No, not We at all. don't. But the thing that, another thing that I'd like to point out is we have a lot of people pulling up for threes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you know as a team offensively that your defense is better than your offense, then why? I don't I just like. There are a lot of threes that are, like, attempted, but yeah. we have the worst three-point percentage in the Ivy League. Yeah, and, and it's, it's a thing where the other teams shoot more than us, and we just, we've not had a great year knocking them down. Down, yeah. And, and that happens. And the thing is, we have three-point shooters. It's you just, do, we do. We don't allow, they don't get have time to get hot. Yeah, and I think we, we have, and I don't think the team overall, because some of these games, we talk about turnovers, which can negate, which can start to negate some of the flow in the game yes, for shooters, which is really exactly. important. The motion and flow of a game for a shooter. Because a lot we have, like, Anya McNeilis, Shannon Mulroy, Kaya Ingram, those are people that are used to pulling up for three-point shots, but to pull up and be efficient from flow, the three-point line, you need flow, you need runs, you need to get hot. Exactly. And then I think, overall, we've talked a little bit about in the past, the team struggling a little bit in the assist department. So I think that's hurt as well. But at the same time, we have a team that's got leaders. They have a great coach. And they For have sure. younger Lots players. Lots of seniors. Exactly. And they have the younger players, especially of great freshman Emily Payne, that are ready to produce. They're ready to, to, to come back, fight yeah. back, and try to finish this year all strong. And one thing I've seen is, you know, the seniors have really taken over a mentorship role. Mm-hmm. And, again, our seniors are extremely capable, yeah. more, more so than a lot of seniors on other <laughs> Ivy League teams, which no. I've seen. Yeah. And they've really taken the freshmen under their wing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so speaking of that, great transition for our next interview, the 5'11 Fords from Falls Church, Virginia, Anna Hovis. She's a senior now. She's had a great year being incredible defensive presence. For Cornell, and we cannot wait to talk to her right after this.
This week's episode of Big Red Ballers is brought to you by Big Red Fueling. Managed by sports dietitian Alyssa Harrington, Big Red Fueling is open five days a week from 2.30 to 4.45 at Bartels Hall, the home of Big Red Basketball, offering both in-season and out-of-season athletes snacks to fuel their performance and recovery. Staff provide valuable knowledge to inform athletes of optimal snack choices based on exercise and personal goals. Follow Big Red Fueling on Instagram at Big Red Fueling for infographics about all things sports nutrition, including college-friendly recipes, post- and pre-workout suggestions, supplement safety, and much more. Okay, so we got a great guest today. Anna, how are you doing today? Good, how are you guys? Great, thank doing you for good. coming on the podcast. Sure. And so, just to start off, you guys are coming off back-to-back games against Princeton and Penn. What would you say is just one thing the team did overall well in those games? Um, definitely, specifically Princeton. Mm-hmm. I think we did pretty well on defense. They're obviously a very highly ranked team. Like last year they were undefeated and went to the NCAA tournament. So we really try to buckle down and um, just go over the scout really well and just try to get the tendencies of each person and then really shut down what they're the best at. So Princeton's post players are a lot larger than Cornell's team as a whole. And you know, you as a post player also end up matching up with a lot of them. So what was it like for you kind of having to handle their physicality and how did you go about like, you know, healing the physical advantage they may have had at that point. Yeah, I think, especially being a senior, I'm kind of used to the physicality of the game at this point, and our team has never been a huge team, so I think it's more of, like, positioning, just being in the right position in order to box out and just get um, good defensive positioning, too. So it's less about size and just more about where you are and the effort you put in. Gotcha. And we mentioned a little bit when we were talking before, but you guys remember back-to-back games, which is not something really common at least college basketball. So well how has that been like coming after one game have to play another with their dead legs or just something where you guys just had to kind of just okay let's keep going, let's keep going. Yeah, well freshman year that was actually our entire schedule was Friday, Saturday, back to back. Actually? Wow. Yeah. Wait, why and did they do it like that, do you know? They it's just how I believe it's always been. And then just last year they recently changed it okay. to these this is like two years of period of kind of testing the system out. So it'll be one game, one weekend, and then two back-to-backs. Wow. But I was used to it. Then Anya Shen and other seniors were used to it. But obviously, any underclassmen or even juniors weren't. So it was definitely harder, harder on the body, yeah. especially for people who play a ton of minutes. It is just you have to make sure to ice bath after, get in the compression boots. So it's hard on the body. But So then as a senior, kind of being used to that, what's it like taking on a leadership role and, you know, helping maybe the underclassmen, or especially the freshmen, like adjust to that kind of pace? Yeah, I think being a senior, obviously you like have, you're forced into a leadership role. So just one, just leading by example is a huge thing, I think. Obviously you're not gonna wanna follow anyone who isn't like behaving and acting like you wanna be. And then just when it comes to new stuff, always like taking a freshman under your wing and just kind of guiding them and telling them where to go, what to do. And talk about that uh, progression, trying to help guide them. How would you talk about your own um, experience, your own pro- process of progress as you got on as a player? What would you say is a skill that you've seen in your own game that's really improved since you came as a freshman? Yeah, freshman year, obviously you come in, you're new to everything, you're kind of timid. I think over the years I've definitely built more confidence, and with that just comes whether it's like shooting more, just even like rebounding and just like doing the little things where it's like you kind of need confidence to do those and obviously someone eventually has to take the shot and then you can step to the plate and say, okay, maybe I'm that person who needs to take the shot. 
So then, kind of talking about like your personal style of play and you know that go-getter attitude you have on the court. You're one of the leading people in blocks on your team. So especially when it comes to like the defensive end of basketball, how have you um, kept that kind of like intensity up throughout the entire like 40 minutes? Mm -hmm. I've always been kind of a defensive-minded player, so. I kind of pride myself on whether it's like you said, getting blocks, getting defensive stops, um, like steals or offensive rebounds. I always try to let my defense kind of spur the offense, and it's obviously harder when you get yeah. tired. <laughs> but I've always um, believed that defense is more of a mentality and effort thing. Yeah. So as long as you kind of have that drive, you'll you'll be good in that factor. So then, offensively, how would you describe your playing style to somebody who's like completely new to basketball? Yeah, so kind of like I said before, I let my defense for my offense. So a lot of the points I get are off of like offensive rebounds, yeah. um, like easy putbacks, that kind of stuff. Just going off the effort thing too, just running the floor, fast break. My style of play, I would say to someone who is kind of unfamiliar with basketball, is just like transition and running the court is what I really like to do. Yeah, and a lot of things you're talking about would be defense or transition baskets, offensive rebounds especially. A lot of that's a lot of just effort. A lot of just mm -hmm. mentally, well, a rebound comes through just being around the rim along the you can just tell where a bounce is going to go. But you're talking a lot about a lot of effort aspects of the game. How, how did that develop here at Cornell? And what was it developed in high school as you kept playing over time? Yeah, I would just say. It obviously comes from within and your own motivation of what you want to do, but also people around you, your teammates cheering you on. We always just value, for example, like rebounds. We do a bunch of drills where if you get the offensive rebound, you get to stay on offense even if you didn't make a basket. So having it be kind of a priority for our coaches and our program as a whole is a big part of it, I think. So then, um, you know, you mentioned like developing that skill throughout the like the entirety of you know your four years here. So how did COVID affect you know your development <laughs> as a basketball player? I feel like we've touched on that with a lot of the upper class, and I know like the sophomores and freshmen may not have that experience. So how do you think that's changed you as a player, maybe even as a student? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually huge. We always talk about how we came in as freshmen and then didn't have a season sophomore year. Mm -hmm. So when we came in as juniors and kind of were forced into a leadership role even though we were basically sophomores in yeah. a basketball sense. So we, junior year was kind of rough where we just had to kind of figure it out yeah. and then senior year obviously we had two years under our belt so it wasn't as bad but COVID was definitely hard, we were all home, yeah. a lot of baskets at my house were like taken down. <laughs> we were all talking about how it was just super hard to work out and we just yeah. had to find like innovative ways that we could do it. So then, as a like going into junior year, what was the hardest, like the most extreme adjustment for you? Because you talk about like you know mentally being a sophomore, mm -hmm. but having to be a leader. So what was like something that was difficult for you in that regard? Probably just being a leader vocally. I would say I'm always someone who, like I said earlier, you can lead by example, mm -hmm. but I'm less comfortable with kind of like telling people what to do yeah. and. Even if I know I'm right, just kind of, <laughs> you know how it is. Yeah. It's, like, so, it's an awkward thing. Yeah, 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 it is. Especially when you feel like, oh my god, I've only played one season. Like, yeah. who am I to say? But eventually you kind of you feel it out and get comfortable with it.
Yeah, could you elaborate a little bit on the uh, Kobe time, kind of the, the ways you just have to make up new ways to try to work out? It's one of the most fun times I've had asking other athletes what they were doing during Kobe. Because people found some ridiculously yeah. creative ways to yeah. work out because everything was shut down. People had to figure out if they didn't have anything at home where they could find some resources. Yeah. Could you talk about a little about what did you, what did you do at yeah, that time? Yeah, sure. Um, there's a track near my house that I would go to for cardio since, like, mm-hmm. all, honestly, all the gyms were closed, yeah. all that was closed. So I don't even think it was technically open. I would like jump the fence and like hope no one came um, to do cardio. And then our trainer would send us packets and she knew we obviously didn't have a ton of resources. So it would either be body weight stuff or I remember like taking a towel one time and wrapping it around a pole and trying to do like pull-ups. So yeah, it was a lot of kind of body weight stuff and more cardio, obviously. Once the hoops did come back up, basketball was back in the equation, but yeah, yeah it was hard. So then in terms of like basketball like being out of the equation, like I think one of our previous guests, Emily, mentioned like just playing outside yeah. in like parking mm-hmm. lots. Um, how did you like maintain whether it was your ball handling or just the general sense of the essence of basketball besides, you know, the workouts? Yeah, I would um, try to go find some hoops that were open. There were a couple farther away, so when I would want to make that um, commute, I'd do that. But in places that didn't have hoops, just whether it's like the garage, you're throwing the ball Mm -hmm. off the wall, or just doing, like Emily said, dribbling drills, it was kind of more of that stuff. And so, just to round things out, you're in your final year season, could you talk a little bit about your just overall experience here as a player? What do you really appreciate the most of being a Cordell athlete? I think what I appreciate the most, specifically this team, is my teammates and my class. Um, Anya and Shannon are two of my best friends, so that just playing here makes it that much more exciting. And when we win, it's just like, it almost like brings us to tears sometimes this year because it's just like, it's our last year and we know that. And whether we win or we're losing, we're doing it with our best friends, and that's just something like I couldn't trade for the world. Yeah, so then. Um, you know, as a senior, you mentioned it's like the last time playing for Cornell, but you have, due to COVID, you have like that fifth year eligibility. Um, where do you see yourself after graduation? Do you think you'll do a fifth year or are you like going to do grad school? Like, like, you said you're a comm major, right? So, yeah. like, what do you want to do after college? That is the big question. <laughs> um, I honestly went into this year and I thought I did want to do another year. And I honestly think I go back and forth almost every day. Um, But at the moment, I've kind of decided to put it on the back burner for right now and just focus on this season. Because whether I do play another year or I don't, like it could be my last three weeks here. And I kind of just want to take every day as it comes and appreciate everything that I have here. Okay. Thank you so much for that. Just talking about this season, just basketball in general. But to wind the clock back a bit, I want to ask questions about you yourself. What got you into basketball? What was that hook that got everyone that loves this game here? here? Yeah, um, I want to say it was probably my family. My grandpa actually played basketball at Penn State and is in the Hall of Fame there. Um, So he was always a big part of that. And then my dad loved coaching, just watching me, anything to do with basketball. So... I think it was kind of who I was surrounded with that got me into it. And then I dabbled with a couple other sports, but it just none really did it for me except for basketball. So I kind of stuck with that one. 
so then amongst your family, like I think you have you have do you have two brothers or is it two sisters? Yeah, I have two half brothers and one half sister. sister. Do they also play basketball or like what sort of sports are they into? They actually did not play basketball. My sister um, actually went to the Junior Olympics for swimming. Wow, that's yeah. insane. That's really um, cool. And then my brothers both did lacrosse and football at college in Hampton Sydney. So it was kind of a yeah. It's a wide variety of. Um, sports with the family. I'm actually the only basketball one of this generation. That's so. that's really cool. So then, like, you know, kind of playing on that family dynamic, was collegiate athletics always in the books for you? Was that always something you wanted to do? Or was it like something you came to later on? I think it was always a goal of mine, whether I really knew it or not. I just knew I wanted to take basketball as far as I could, mm -hmm. and then when the opportunity presented itself to obviously get an amazing education while also yeah. playing the sport that I love, it was a no-brainer, so. Gotcha. So then you talk about education, and like, what was that like? Because obviously, you know, you have to be academically proficient mm -hmm. to get to Cornell. So what was it like balancing, you know, your academic proficiency and also, you know, being really, really good at basketball? Yeah, do you mean at Cornell or, or uh, before that? Before that. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, in high school, I don't think it was too hard. Mm -hmm. I've always been someone who wanted to get good grades, and parents who made me get good <laughs> grades. Yeah. Um, at college, it was definitely more of a time commitment, obviously, because you're having your lifting, your conditioning, you're having practice every day, and doing extracurriculars. So it's definitely a balance you have to find, but freshman year, our coaches actually make us do two hours, um, two days a week of study hall, which actually, I, as much as we complain about, I will say it helps a lot. Yeah. So do you study with your teammates? Or like, is it like just a personal one? I think personally, I study better alone, so I usually tend to try to do that. But if it's some classes I have with my friends, which is senior year now, I'm in a lot of classes with friends, so I can do it with a buddy now. <laughs> What was your recruitment process like? I feel like it could be very different for different players and people. Oh man, for some for clients that might not be as in tune, how would you kind of describe your own experience? Yeah, my own experience was interesting because I think I went through the whole process kind of thinking, oh, any school who approaches me, like I'll email them back if I like them, and I wasn't really reaching out to anyone. So I just thought, okay, like whoever likes me will email me and that's what I'll get. But then actually Cornell came to one of my friend's basketball games and I happened to have played really well that day. Yeah. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll send him an email. So it turned out to be the only school that I ever reached out to was Cornell. And then obviously um, they emailed me back and then Coach K came to some of my high school practices, watched some game film and then offered me. So. Wow, that's really cool, actually. So, so what about Cornell specifically that made you say, yeah, this is the one? Yeah, I do think it was a lot of the academics. Like I said earlier, that's always been a big value of mine. So that plus a pretty close-ish school to home. I live about five and a half hours away, and I always wanted somewhere that wasn't too close to home, but wasn't a pricey plane ticket away. <laughs> so... I think location, academics, and obviously the campus was just beautiful. Nice. So then, um, what was it like? I know you mentioned like it's not super far away, and it's not like you know super close either. But then, was there an adjustment period for you, kind of being away from home, regardless of the distance? Yeah, I think there was 
I obviously was super sad to leave my family at home, my dog, <laughs> um, and I loved my high school, loved my high school friends, but I think just finding balance of being present here and just keeping in touch with them, which is sometimes hard because we get limited breaks with the season, obviously, yeah. but it was definitely an adjustment, but I think it's easier, gotten easier every year. So what advice would you give to current freshmen or, or about to be freshmen, about maintaining that balance, really? just be your family, your academics, your basketball career, then even just in general, I think we're down your balance between your academics and then your own personal mental health. Mm -hmm. I just think a good motto to have is everything in moderation, whether that be you need to practice hard, you need to study hard, but you also need to take some time if you're overwhelmed and just like get, get everything out of your mind and do something fun. I think, especially here, there's so many fun things to do that you don't want to miss out on that because you're prioritizing other things. So I think you should have a balance of everything. All right. Well, thank you for answering all of our game and personal questions today. Um, we'll be right back with our overtime segment. Sure. Thank you. Well, see, that was great from here from Anne Hovis. A lot of fun talking to her. Yeah, for sure. I think it was really insightful just to see what kind of leadership presence, you know, seniors can have on a team. Yeah. And so now we can look forward. Uh, Cornell's got two games coming up. One against Brown on February 11th, and then one against Dartmouth on February 17th. Yeah. And so these are two teams that uh, Cornell's played already and mm -hmm. beaten already. The first game, Cornell won against Brown 66-61, to which is really just a... A really fun game yeah. back and forth. I all love when games are that close, it's really entertaining to watch. Whereas, you know, with Dartmouth, we cooked them. Yeah, 61-64. Yeah. 48. 61-48. Excuse me, 61-48. Yeah, don't do, don't do them like that. <laughs> yeah, we definitely me. cooked them. Yeah, they yeah. had a great game. Um, just carried it, took care of business from start to finish. And talking about Brown, I, first shot to Emily Pape in that game, 27 points. Absolutely insane Same. performance. That's crazy. And so I, I don't expect her to maybe have that same game. I mean, maybe she might. Who knows? But I don't say have that same game. But if she can give anything. That's on X Games over there. <laughs> exactly. She's playing life on easy. If she can have anything close to that, or then even if just if there even if other players can have yeah. roughly that performance, be a great performance. Yeah. For them. And then in Dartmouth, like when we cooked them, um, Anya had seventeen and Shannon had fifteen. Exactly. Awesome games. So I honestly expect you know. Us to dominate. Yeah, potentially. I don't know. Brown um, could be tough again. You know, it was a close game. Yeah, the team did a good job. Pretty balanced. You had uh, the four other starters with Kaya, Shannon, Anya, mm -hmm. and um, and uh, Anna, all with eight, nine, nine, ten respectively. Yeah. And Brown was just a game where everything flowed really well. Yeah, you won a close game and you were able to do it by just taking care of the, the fundamentals. You 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 were able to get more since nineteen to eleven. You yeah. out rebound forty six to thirty six, yeah. which is a really good strong win. And Dartmouth. The game they played previously, they absolutely dominated Dartmouth, as you said. Yeah, before. and also, I guess we drew a lot of fouls because we dominated in free throws. 25 free throws mm -hmm. for us versus Dartmouth's 14. Which is a great show. And one thing yeah. about our team is we do not miss our free throws. Definitely. I don't think really I've good free seen throw any of our, female, like, our women players like, miss yeah. any free throws. No, we are a really good free throw shooting team. We do not miss those opportunities. Yeah, we and, capitalize on that. Exactly. And so... Now, and so I think this is a game Cornell should have a good chance with again. Um, I think as long as Cornell can take care of business, 
Great job with turnovers against Dartmouth. Yeah, 17 to 27. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Really good awesome. job. And steals. Steals. I love it. That's one thing. One of my favorite parts about basketball mm-hmm. is the steals. And exactly. our team loves to steal. And I, it's just it's so satisfying exactly. to watch. Yeah. 17 to 9. 17 to 9. Great. Insanity. Job playing the passing lane, playing pressure on the ball. So really just great win by Cornell against Dartmouth that yeah. game. And I think going forward, I think just repeating these same steps. Being able these to, same habits. Exactly. Yeah. And also, I think it's really important to point out that we have a solid six days between these games. Really Playing important. back-to-back yeah. games, Princeton versus UPenn is just hard. Yeah, very tough thing to do. Yeah, yeah, that's a really, really important thing to mention. Give the players a break. Give them a rest. But, you know, I think it'll be a good one. Yeah, but you know, should be a great one. Definitely check out the women's team. Watch the games. Yeah, for sure. Final push for the season. And I think this team's going to finish out really strong. Yeah, definitely. Two dubs. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed. Stay tuned for next week where we'll be covering the men's team, February 16th. It'll be our seventh interview with the men's team, so definitely something to look forward to. Please share with your friends and family and follow the podcast on your platform. These two things help us grow the podcast and publicize Cornell sports the most. Once again, you can follow Big Red Sports Network on Instagram at CornellBRSN or reach us at www.cornellbrsn.com. Special thanks to our producers, Matthew Furman, the stupendous Uba Comfort, and international Spanish star, Gabe Zollett, and the rest of the BRSM team. I'm Sohini Singh. And I'm David DePega. And we'll see you next week. Go Big Red!